All right, hey, how we doing? Thanks for checking out the Colts with Grant podcast. We're going to look back at the beautiful display of football prowess that was the Miami Dolphins game. We're going to strike it from our memory, and we're going to move on with life. Here we go. All right, so from a very high-level uh, recap, we got a 16-12 to 12 loss to the then-one-win, now-two-win uh, Miami Dolphins, uh, led by uh, Mr. Ryan Fitzpatrick. I don't know if you guys know this or not. He went to Harvard. That's pretty cool. It's a joke. Uh, yeah, man, we had we had him um, <clears throat> uh, behind center there for the Dolphins, and we, you know, the Colts came in with a bunch of confidence. If you listen to my, you know, my little last week pre- primer for the game, I was very confident. Right, we got thirty second ranked uh, or thirty first, pardon me, ranked. Run defense in all of football, only better than the Cincinnati Bengals. Anyway, lots of factors lined up to the Colts being able to go in there and get a win, whether it was Jacoby Brissett or Brian Hoyer behind center. It did not matter to me <laughs> going into this game, right? But, uh, yeah, so you know, so our day went. Uh, Hoyer as the starting quarterback. Uh, Jacoby Brissett was the starting quarterback all week. He was limited all week. And then when it came down to uh, naming the starter, it was Brian Hoyer. And, it, it, you know, yeah, I guess I can talk about it a little later, but in um, Frank Reich's post-game press conference, he said really it came down to watching the, the Thursday film, the practice film. I'm sorry, the Friday practice film. And, <clears throat> yeah, he, he basically assessed him at 80% to to full health and did not think that it was the best interest of Jacoby or the best interest of the Colts to have him go out there and take, you know, lead the team here for the Minnesota, um, for the, um, the Dolphins game, Minnesota G's no Dolphins game. So, so we got to see Hoyer come out there, which, which honestly I thought we were going to be fine. We see Hoyer come out. So Hoyer, you know, Let's see here. Hoyer ended up going 18 for 39 for 204 yards, one touchdown, and three interceptions, right? That first one uh, to Ebron. Ebron had it in the end zone, and then it was ripped out of his hands on the way down the ground. Um, explanation there. I hope everybody's okay with the explanation. It made sense to me, right? you got to have three aspects to the catch, right? First, secure the ball. Did that. Second, get two feet down did that and then he's got to do one of two things he's either got to make a football move so like so, you know turn and run or throw up a stiff arm or something or he's got to be able to maintain control of that ball all the way to the ground to the to the point where he stands up with that ball after that play is over and that's the part that uh eric didn't get all the way to uh pertaining to that first interception so that was the first drive of the game win the toss defer go down and uh, basically, the defender uh, wanted that ball more than Eric Ebron did and took it away from him. That's what happened. Um, I just thought it was really funny that we started the game with a run. Second pass of the day goes to Ebron. Uh, incomplete pass. Anyway, I just thought that was funny. So, it was a high pass. It was high. But, yeah. So, that's how the game started. With the interception. But anyway, okay. Hoyer went uh, one TD, three interceptions, one TD to Jack Doyle. Jack Doyle had a great game. Um, Hoyer was only sacked one time. 
I did think that we were going to get about four sacks against the Dolphins. We got we, we did sack him three times for 10 yards. Indianapolis passed the ball for 191 yards. Total yards, 300. Our defense only gave up 16 points. Our defense only gave up 229 yards. Our defense did give up six third down conversions, which was kind of a bummer, and a fourth down conversion. Um, there's a really a killer third down conversion late in the in, uh, late in the game. Um, I think it was uh, I think it was Houston who had his hands on Fitzpatrick and he, he sneaks out and then uh, throws that ball for the first down. And then there's another one that got him in the field goal range to go up four when we were up one. So it's a bummer, right? We had the ball for 28 minutes, and yeah, the time position wasn't a big deal. But, um, yeah, that's just a little bit of a high-level recap of the game. We'll get into some more specifics here in a second. Here we go. So, okay, a lot of factors in this game. Let's let's just say who, who were our one percenters of this game. That means who were players that that uh, played played great. They were in the moment. They brought the juice. They were ready to go. They were trying to go one and zero this week. All these things. They were the one percenters. They got one percent better over the pre the, the week of practice. Um, and really, the person has got to be Darius Leonard as far as the headlining one percenter, <clears throat> because really he uh, struggled last game. Right, everybody's questioning what what was going on with with Darius, and then he comes out uh, on on Sunday here. And um, I mean, shoot, that first that first drive. Um, That first drive that uh, that Miami has the ball, Darius Leonard punches that ball out, and we get the ball. Okay, that's <clears throat> that is the, Miami starting the ball. I'm sorry, starting the game with the ball because we we deferred, and that that series is ended by Darius Leonard punching that ball out and Kenny Moore uh, recovering that. So that's I mean anyway, that's drive one, Darius Leonard's impact. Okay, drive two of uh, the Miami offense after. Um, they get the ball back on the interception in the end zone. That was a killer, right? Um, Darius Leonard bats down a third down pass, right? It's third down and, and long, and Darius bats down that pass. Now, <clears throat> unfortunately, the uh, Dolphins did. That was their one uh, successful go for it on fourth down was the play after that. But um, it's just, anyway, two series right there, two impact plays for Darius. And then really... His, uh, you know, Alkavia Muhammad gets some good pressure at the first drive of the fourth quarter. Um, Alkavia Muhammad gets some good pressure there, and uh, it results in a uh, Darius Leonard interception, right? So, he, you know, great day for Darius. Um, he's one of two players, right, to have 10, what is it, 10 interceptions and four sacks in his first two seasons, and uh, one of two players to do that. The other player that 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 did that was uh, is a Hall of Famer named Brian Urlacher. He's making great things happen. Uh, that Darius Leonard is my really the MVP of that game. <clears throat> the really secondary uh, would be you know Rockison had a great game. He played he played really well. Uh, you could tell they were going his way a little bit because of what happened previously. Um, but he made some nice hits. Uh, he had some good uh, quickness in short areas there on the side to to bat down um, a couple passes. So anyway. I was just watching him because, you know, uh, the struggles he had penalty-wise the last game, he really did uh, represent himself well on Sunday here. And then uh, really the one percenters, I just want the ball in Naheem Hines' hands more. I mean, I really, not you know, not to say a name that is, is no fun, but, you know, 
I love to see Hines in like that Julian Edelman sort of role in the middle of the field, catching the ball, you know, putting the sticks on these guys. I, I really think the defenders underestimate his speed and quickness, and and he he's hungry for it. You can tell he, he's excited when he makes a play. Anyway, I'm a big Naheem Hines fan, and uh, I'm going to give him some one percenter love. And then really Jack Doyle, he had uh, a really strong game. He was targeted what five times, I believe. Yeah, Jack Doyle was targeted four times. Pardon me, pardon me. He's targeted four times, and he had three receptions on the um, on those targets. He had a touchdown. He had a and a twenty three yard long. Um, so yeah, Jack Doyle, uh, strong game. Uh, he did miss goal blocks, but you know it looks like our entire blocking staff uh, missed blocks. So uh, yeah, that that's that sort of comes here, right? So our bangers, the anvil bangers are the ones, people that made me want to like bang my head against the wall, right? The Anvil Bangers. Uh, number one Anvil Banger of the day for Sunday against the Dolphins. Was, his, name was, his name is Eric Ebron. I, I don't know if you guys are, girls are familiar with him, but he uh, <clears throat> made some headlines this prior week uh, going to the staff and talking about the impact that he can make on the field, whether he gets the ball or doesn't get the ball. He did out-snap uh, Jack Doyle here against the Dolphins for the first time. Hell, I'll say, I'll say ever. Uh, you know, you know, barring the Jack Doyle uh, injuries from last year, um, but he did out snap Jack Doyle. He was targeted twelve times. Can you believe that? You go down the list of targets yesterday: Marlon Mack one, Naheem Hines seven, Jack Doyle four, Rogers four, Pascal seven, Marcus Johnson three, Moali Cox one, Eric Ebon twelve. I, I, I'm not a huge fan of that. I, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I I don't love. Kind of getting what you complain about. I don't know. Whatever. I, I'm anyway. I'm just maybe. I don't know if the word's old school or what. But it obviously, yeah. I mean, he had 12 targets, five receptions. He had two more receptions than Jack Doyle did on eight more targets, and they had the the same long reception. Eric Ebron had a long of 23. So did Jack Doyle. Jack Doyle had a touchdown. Eric Ebron did not because he could not. Hold on to that ball. Um, you know, they said it sort of, you know, anyway. That's my able banger number one, Eric Ebron. It, you know, if you're going to you're gonna make, make a loud noise like that. Now, some of these balls, as far as these targets, were not exactly the most catchable passes that we've ever seen from a quarterback. Like that first one in the first quarter was over his head. And then the one that resulted in a um, the last interception of the day. Um. Or was that the middle interception? Nope, that was nope, that was the last interception of the day, right? <laughs> lost lost count. But that, that throw over the right shoulder uh of uh, of Eric Ebron. I'm yeah, well he was looking at over over his left shoulder, so so um it's just you know, when you're gonna call yourself out like that and, and sort of bring a, a spotlight on you and you don't you don't pull through. It's going to be an issue. So, also uh, Amble Banger, uh, Brian Hoyer. I mean, I mean, what the heck, man? Um, I, I can understand being aggressive and this and that, but you, you, thirty-nine attempts, two hundred and four yards. That's just over a five-yard per average. One touchdown, three interceptions, sacked once. And, and really, my issue with Brian Hoyer is, is is not even really the stat line as much. He had eighteen completions, which is just terrible. Abhorrent on the thirty-nine attempts. Anyway, don't get me started. But you, you watch him pat that ball. You, it, it, it's going to be. It's kind of a pet peeve of mine is the is the pat the ball, and um, you know 
our friend Scott Tolzien was a notorious ball patter, uh, LOL. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, did you notice that a lot of these these catches or a lot of these throws were super contested, right, by the Dolphins? When, when the ball would get there, the defender was there more times than not at the exact same time, or there's, there's throws getting batted away. It's, it's because, not, not fully, but it's due in large part, do pat that ball because he'll, he'll scan, 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 find his target, lock on, pat, pat, and throw. It, it, and so if you're a DB, you are taught. Anyway, they, know, they knew that coming into this game. They had to. They scouted. They say he's going to pat the ball. He pats the ball twice right before he throws it. And the, with that last interception, yeah, okay, so the Ebron won over his head. It was the second one. And then the throw behind um, the receiver, uh, Pascal, was the third one. And that was the one where Pascal had the guy beat by about a step and a half, two steps. The ball was thrown behind. But the Pat Pat let this DB know, okay, right now, now's my time to go because that ball's coming. And, and, and he would have been right if that's what he said. So, uh, Brian Hoyer, uh, I, man, give me give me Chad Kelly. I mean, I, it's not really in me to, 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 to try and take this green player, the super rookie, and get him out here. But, God, I mean, and, and maybe it's on the staff. You know, the, the, you know we did find out about – the fact that Jacoby still retained the lion's share of the um, starters reps, and then when it came down to it, Hoyer's starting. So there's no 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 timing sort of uh, shined up or anyway. Hoyer Anvil Banger, not sure if it's totally his fault. I think there was some mismanagement on the um, just the process there as far as the second second string coming into play. So Anvil Banger. Uh, third is his name's Adam Vinatieri. He missed an extra point. Um, everybody wants him to get cut and this and that. And I just really, I didn't think he was gonna. I, I thought he was gonna miss that. Unfortunately, you know, you're watching. He's like, he's gonna miss this, and there he did. And you know, obviously, we want our, you know, we want Vinny to make all the kicks and, and this and that. There was some cool stuff that uh, Kevin Bowen kind of dug into on his um, Kevin's Corner podcast, talking about the fact that he's never really been that accurate of a kicker he's just you know the longevity of his career and the clutch nature of his kicks you know you know and you know with the longevity you just rack up the points is what uh is going to ensure his his first ballot hall of fame status but you know it wasn't close it was the same looking extra point miss that we've seen uh what five other times this year, that's the sixth miss, right? Uh, this year, extra point. Oh, I mean, just referring to the extra points. Um, I, I don't know. It, you know, there was a high, it was a high snap. It had to be placed down. It looked like the high snap did get placed down just fine. You know, there's three people involved in an extra point, not just one. In the, all these things, and I do sound like I'm making excuses for him because probably am. You look at the percentages of these other field goal kickers that have come in. Mid-season, and their percentages are not better than what Adam Vinatieri's percentage is right now. So it's almost one of these things that, you know, you just bite the bullet and, and hope for the best. And um, So anyway, but he is not he's not on the good list right now, getting into November, December, Christmas time. Naughty list all day, Adam Vinatieri. They asked him about his, his injury. He said he's, he's, he, he's healthy enough to play. He's healthy enough to be out there is what he said. So that does kind of clue you in the fact that maybe there is some ailment going on, and, and there's been the rumblings that it's been the plant leg. 
So that's, <laughs> anyway, you can't let yourself be a liability. Uh, we'll see. It's funny, earlier today I got a ESPN notification on my phone and I was in a, a different room to where my phone was and I, I thought that was going to be the uh, Penitentiary's Gone ESPN alert. That's where my head went, first of all, which, which uh, is weird and sad, all, all these things. But yeah, th- he, he was a banger for, for that game, not to one percenter, no doubt. And then lastly, it's going to be the O-line run, uh, run, you know, run blocking and, and pass pass blocking. I mean, this is the 31st ranked run defense in the NFL and yeah, no, I mean, Christian Wilkins was having his way in there. There's the other big dude. I can't remember his name now for the freaking Dolphins who's in there. Literally, man, let's see if I can find his name real fast. I don't think so. It was Darius. Let's see where he at. No, no. John Jenkins, that's who it was, right? That big old dude that like chased down Marlon Mack from the back. Yeah, that's who it was. 6'3", making things happen. I mean, we we couldn't move anybody. We didn't move anybody. Taco Charlton's out there making things happen. I mean, yeah, John Jenkins won. Tackle for a loss. Yeah, Charles Harris, man. Who are these clowns? These... Anyway, so, yeah, Anvil Bangers O-line. Um, we got people missing blocks. We got people still can't communicate on these tackle and twists and the inside twists. I mean, hell, we got an unblocked blitzer coming right up and going belly bump. We got him going belly bump with Mr. Uh, Mr. Hoyer. And Mac, Marlon Mack's like, ah, sorry, dude, I'll grab the ball. But wasn't that the weirdest looking play ever? He's just standing stand there and boom, he just comes screaming right through, chest to chest. Anyway, so those are my bangers. Those are my anvil bangers for the week. Those are the dudes that need to get it straightened out before the Jag, Jaguars game because... Um, yeah, that's just not going to cut it. Not even close. Um, so one percenters, you know, are, are great performance dudes. We got Darius, we got Rock, we got Naheem Hines and Jack Doyle. Bangers are Ebron, Hoyer, Vinny, and O-Line. We got to do better. We haven't got to do better. But that's our winners and losers as far as uh, players go. Versus the Dolphins. So now we'll just get into some of my overall just observations from the game and maybe some stuff that should have or that could have <laughs> translated into some different performance here. You know, we want to say we had an issue running the ball. We want, we had an issue moving the ball on the ground. Now, you know, I just blame the O-line. And we know from Frank Reich that these protection meetings are all-encompassing meetings. They, they encompass the O-line, uh, quarterbacks, wide receivers, tight ends. So... One note that I had is really it looked you know there was there was times where um it, let's not forget Robert Flores the coach of the Dolphins is a defensive minded coach and really if you, you saw the people making the tackles behind the line of scrimmage sometimes it was D linemen but for the most part it was it was it was blisters man it was it was linebackers and safeties in here making plays so one note that I did have is that Brian Horry had opportunities to check, check us out of, of bad plays, and he did not. And I think, you know, we've heard the coaching staff praise Jacoby for that in the past, and we may have seen that show up in this Dolphins game that, and, and, you know, this can also go back to lack of preparedness from our staff as far as as it relates to, 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 to Hoyer here. Um, regardless, it did it definitely looked like he had the chance to check us out of plays into – 
maybe some swing pass plays, some some uh, screen plays. We didn't see really any screen plays, um, but he would just keep us in that play. And yeah, I, anyway, with a couple of instances in particular, it was just good night, nurse. No chance running the ball. No chance. No chance. Uh, yeah, we had a no call on a pass interference at the half against Marcus Johnson. I really thought that could have been called. This is the one where the commentators kept saying, uh, Trent Green kept saying, well, he reached for the flag and he never threw it. I mean, that's that's a, that's a play. That's probably like a 25-yard penalty right there. Would have got us in some field goal range. It feels, sun, it feels funny to nitpick some of this stuff because really at the end of the day, uh, we, we, we were just not reliable on offense as far as moving that ball, running or passing. And with the pat-pat of that ball, Whenever, when, no matter when he threw that, the defense was on it because they, they were just keying on that. I can I, I can assure you that they were keying on that, that ball, that padding of the football before he threw. Got to burp that baby, I guess, huh, Mister Hoyer? Crying out loud! A little bit of an uninspired play calling, I thought. Um, of course, we're limited by you know, sort of limited by a limited quarterback. Uh, no T. Y. Hilton, no Paris Campbell. Not that he's been really a threat. Um, Hines has been a nice, you know, weapon in those times, but I, you know, I had the question as to why do we go away from the crossers? You know, you can see some crossers having success. Jack Doyle, Naheem Hines, even Eric Ebron catching some crossers with success. Um, but I mean, you did see a crosser intercepted as well. So, but it, you know, you, you like to think that when you have limited skill players on the field, then the coaching kind of picks up some slack and gets a little creative with some of their play calling, some of the motions, trying to keep people open. And unfortunately, we didn't see that. And, and I hope, you know, anyway, it seems like it would be because, you know, Hoyer didn't get those first team reps, right? So th- there, we find ourse- there we find ourselves. And that's, 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 a, that's bad news for us if, if uh, anyway, we let this game go because really some, some mistakes made through Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, right? Um. Fourth quarter drive, yeah. So the fourth quarter drive, you know, and really throughout the game, our defense got their hands on Ryan Fitzpatrick a lot, and it really just didn't bring him down when we had him, right? Third down on their own 30-yard line. Um, we got the They got the first down, and then also the Willis versus Gusecki play, right? No, but that one play, it's third down on, on their own 30. Um, you can see Iberflus kind of pacing back and forth. And the rush is good. The rush is there. Houston has his hands on Brian Hoyer in the pocket. No, not Brian Hoyer. <laughs> on Fitzpatrick. They are similar quarterbacks, are they not? That's just that's terrible, isn't it? Um, yeah, but Houston gets his hands on Fitzpatrick in, in the pocket. He escapes and, and fires a, a, a bean to the middle of the field. And, and uh, yeah, we're going to have somebody open the middle of the field when we're playing some soft zone. Anyway, on their side of the 50-yard line. Um they got the first down there. They got a, a good long play on second down on the next series uh, from Willis to Gusecki. Willis made some great tackles. Kari Willis made some great tackles. He looked out, I don't say outmatched, but Gusecki is noticeably taller than him out there. Um, oh, man, yeah, the bootleg interception. That's the one. God, that's the one there with the, with the um, that was the last one. Final drive, Mac falls the opening. Nice Rodgers catch. Nice high ball for Ebron against the 20th. Yeah, so that, that, that last drive that we had to go down and score a touchdown to win um, because we needed four because we missed a 
extra points. That's I mean that's just really puts a already stressful situation, stressed out team with injuries and um, and even a even a, a stronger, deeper hole when you you've got to you got to you got to kind of battle back from missing extra points. Now I'll talk a little bit about, more about that here in a second, but uh, so that final drive, Mac Mac has a huge hole to the left. He's he's following. I think it's it's Glowinski. He does it does not look like he trips on Glowinski at all. It looks like he just kicks the ground and falls down. I mean, not Marlon Mack's best day either. And I don't know. I know he carries the ball a lot, but he sure does ask to be taken out of the game a lot too after he after he makes a run. So I don't want to be too salty about that, but I do you know, something to notice. Uh, Rodgers makes a nice catch there on a pretty, pretty great throw. Pretty great. Yeah, that's right. A nice throw from, um, Hoyer to Rodgers in, I mean, tight coverage, but he just catches it falling down and kind of a business there. And then, and then really Hoyer makes a nice throw to Ebron, a nice high throw that Ebron can kind of go up and high point and catch and right, right about the 20, 23 yard line. And then they try to go vertical on the next play. I can't remember, but it's, it's like one of those. Oh, no, that's the Marcus Johnson um, go route. That's the Marcus Johnson go route where he's double covered. It's just not going to work. It's just not going to. I mean, what are you, where are you throwing the ball? It, it, it just seemed really futile the entire time when we were driving down there. It was almost like close your eyes, point to a play in the playbook, call it, and just hope that somebody falls down on the defense or something. And that, that's how that we were going to win that game. So after the Marcus Johnson go route fail, uh, not open at all, um, we got you know that first down throw to Ebron for the first for the first down, uh, just 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 right on the twenty yard line, and we're going in. So then okay, so it's first and goal now. We got a crosser to Ebron incomplete, and then we got Chester on the fade to the right, double covered. Here's the thing though about that one. If if Hoyer puts a good ball on that, that's touchdown. There's there's about four yards of space back there, yeah, three or four yards of space back there, and if he can drop that ball in, Chester's going to catch that, and, and just he just not just doesn't have the, the touch on the ball to, to drop it in there. So unfortunate missed opportunity there. Um, yeah, here's the third and ten. Ebron double covered on third and ten. That's the you know he throws it, basically a fade again. Uh, so we got the this went vertical. This went vert, it was just weird. And then um, Frank was actually asked about this at his post game presser, and I'll talk about that in a second. But you, you go vertical when you got ten yards to go. Well, yeah, it's it's what is it? Second and ten from like the twenty or the nineteen or whatever. Going to Ebron, not going to work. And you know, I wrote down at that point. I said that's that's the Heinz time right there. That's the Heinz sweet spot, top of the red zone. Get it, dump it to, to, to Heinz with ten yards to go, eight yards to go. We've seen it happen. He'll make he'll make a guy miss, and he's going to score anyway. It's frustrating. That's frustrating. Okay. Da 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 da. And then after the Ebron fade fail, uh, we got fourth and. What, 4th and 10? Yeah, 4th and 10 from like the, I don't know, 20-ish. Uh, Ebron runs like a, what looked to be like a stick route, like a little comeback route where he ends up, anyway, listening to him describe this play is excruciating for me, right? He, he views himself 
quite uh, anyway. He's a, quite a talented player in his own estimation, and I'm sure that's not unique to to Eric Ebron. But boy, I'm just very averse to huge egos like that. Um, so yeah, hearing him describe it's not fun, and even watching it on television is even less fun. But you can see him go to about eight yards deep, turn around, catch the ball, and I mean, really, there's not there's really even minimal effort to go and get the extra yardage, and he does divulge later, you know, in his press presser or postgame stuff that um, he didn't know where he was. He didn't know that he was short. He didn't know that he was beyond the marker. He didn't, he didn't know. So he's just, all he was going to do is catch the ball, and here I am, and hope, right? Some more hope. Yeah, no, no. It, you know, so Pascal was open and the left hand's flats during that play. Uh, I did listen to Kevin's corner, and, and you know, Bowen, Bowen says there's no way he makes that. I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, maybe maybe I'm just giving um, uh, Pascal like benefit of the doubt because I watched him leap over that guy for that touchdown against the Steelers or whatever. I think I don't even know if that was the Steelers or or not, but um, I don't know. Dump that ball, dump that ball to to, to Pascal with eight yards to go, and I think he's going to get the freaking eight yards. He's going to get the eight yards because there's enough room between him, the sideline. He, I think he could have scored, but you know what? I'm an eternal optimist, and shame on me. But anyway, I think he could have scored. So that's that's how that's how the game kind of lines uh, wraps up, right? Is we scored that touchdown uh, towards the beginning of that fourth quarter to go up to jeez to go up what ten to twelve, right? Yeah, ten to twelve. That's how that wraps up. We we we, we scored a touchdown to go up to. They kick a field goal to go up one. We throw a pick, and uh, then they kick another field goal to go four. And we drive down and really just fizzle out. So, unfortunate. It, it seems like there's obviously there's a lot of uh, ingredients in the mix here as to what happened, but um, I, I guess we should feel good that, you know, uh, Frank Reich said that Jacoby was 80% on Friday, and if he was 80% on Friday, I, I feel like we're going to be looking at Jacoby Brissett out here playing against the Jaguars next weekend. So that's how that wrapped up. So here we're going to get into a little bit of the post-game press conference from Frank Reich and call it a day here. Okay, so the post-game presser had some nuggets in here that I wanted to get out to y'all. Um, obviously, it starts with him, kind of, you know, Frank Reich talking about we were outcoached, we were outplayed, all these things. So so the holder, the first question is from Stephen Holder. He asks about that sequence there at the end of the game where it's, where it's first and ten from just inside the twenty yard line, and he sort of sort of asked about those 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 uh th- those throwing plays, right? Sort of the vertical vertical nature of uh those plays, the aggressive nature of those plays down when they were when they were down low, and I thought it was curious or interesting how Frank Reich described the fact that that each one of those throws, each one of those those um those shot those shots of the end zone that that uh, Hoyer took, each one of those plays had a, you know, obviously had a, a dump off for a check down option. And Frank Reich just says, well, we call the play, he sees what he sees, and he's going to, you know, he, he, you know, throws the ball accordingly, right? So, um, anyway, I thought that was, not, not that he was throwing anybody on their bus, but I think he was just trying to convey, you know, he did convey that, hey, the options are there. 
you got to have the quarterback play in the moment. And I just, you know, anyway, I, for everything I thought, for everything I thought, you know, uh, fond or thought positive about Hoyer after the Sears game, regardless of that pick six that he came in there, I thought he pretty did, did okay. Uh, yesterday or Sunday, whatever day that was, was not, um, not okay. And I, and I really, I'm, I'm really, I don't really want to see him back out there anymore. To be completely honest. So then, um, the the question sort of asked about, you know, you know, was Jacoby going to play? How did how did Hoyer end up being out here? And he goes into the whole watching tape of practice. I I, I uh, estimated that Jacoby was around eighty percent um, healthy, and then he just says, "I'm gonna. I just wanted to protect the player. I thought it was the best interest of the team to play um, Brian." Jacoby did get most of the starter reps, and you know Bone Bone actually talks about that too. That that uh, Hoyer says to him, you know, I got a few more reps than I did prior weeks, but not that that not that many more. And that's that's for me. I mean, for me, that's probably the most disappointing disappointing part about this this week is that the the the, the starting quarterback was not prepared to be in there, and that's that just is not that's just not where you want to be. Reminds me of other coaching scenarios that we had in the past, and I don't, I just don't want to go down that road again or have those thoughts that it's going to be a similar sort of uh, timeline. So, so then you know, obviously the the, top, the topic of Vinatieri comes up in the post game press conference to Frank Reich, and, and Frank has a little bit of a different tune this time around than he did before. So before, right, you, you're hearing him talk about, you know, I don't have any uh, concerns, no concerns, uh, we're committed to him. And uh, what did he say? A fluke, right? I think that kick was a fluke. And I have no questions in the world, this and that. So, to, you know, that, that night, um, Sunday night, um, he says, we've been committed to him. I thought that was interesting. We've been, we've been, it's past tense. We've been committed to him. Everyone is measured and held accountable, uh, dot, dot, dot. Right, he goes on to say, "Don't nothing to read into here. No conversations have been had in this way. You can tell he's uncomfortable talking about this stuff, which is fair. Um, but he says everyone is measured. I thought that was an interesting way to talk to. You. Everyone is measured, held accountable, and um, it's just the business, is what he said. It's just the business. So, you know, we saw Young Hoku go out and have a good kick uh, win. A couple so some good kicks for the Falcons after they let go of Matt Bryant, uh, old old Matt Bryant." And so their replacement guy came in and come in and uh, did did okay. So they asked why why you keep him? Why is he staying around? What's the deal? And and Frank Reich just talks about his track record and his practice. Right, he's he's shown the ability to do it and he's showing it in practice. So we're going to keep running him out there. But but um, Holder asked about a mixed message. Right, um, is it sending a mixed message to your locker room that you talk about accountability, you talk about these things, and then uh, you got a guy like Vinatieri here. Um, executing at a certain level, and um, he does sort of volunteer that he's going to see. I, I understand why you're asking that. Um, he does say that you know the last four or five weeks he's been solid. You know the operation has been solid. They they keep saying the operation. He does kind of go into this whole um, extra point percentages thing, right? He's got specific into that, so it's like ninety seven, ninety eight percent. It sounded to me as though. That's a real standard. Anyway, that 97, 98% needs to be the extra point execution rate 
and uh, that's it, black and white, yes or no, 97, 98%. And he said that's, that's what they're going to be looking at uh, going forward. Uh, that's what we need is what, what uh, I have quote, quote, quoted here. Wow, pardon me, stuttering Stanley up in the, the ones and twos here. So, yeah, that's what we need is what he said, 97, 98% extra point. That's what we need. And then uh, I think it's Bowen talks about a double standard. Is there a double standard uh, between the, the rest of the players and um, Vinny? Wright doesn't get too deep in that. He says, I haven't heard that. I haven't heard that from any players. I haven't heard that from any staff. I, I just haven't heard that. And, you know, as much as everybody wants to say that, how, you know, just think, you're, just think of yourself as Zach Pascal and you're out here doing this. And uh, then you got Vinatieri. I don't know. I, I, I really hesitate to buy into that. I really think that the other players would be giving him the benefit of the doubt as well. Now, granted, it's not like a wide receiver where you throw you the ball, you got to catch it. There are three people involved in a successful uh, field goal. One is very important, I understand. But all three are important. And so is one guy going to be the scapegoat if um, if the snaps are bad or if the holes are bad or this and that? Um, but I guess, bottom line, you got to evaluate Vinny. And if, if they made a move on him, I would not be surprised. And if they kept him around for one more week, I would not be surprised. Uh, someone else has said recently, you know, as much as the fellow players, you know, would stand by him if he is cut and they, and they, uh, were interviewed after Vinatieri being cut and said, Hey, how do you feel about Vinatieri being cut? You probably hear something along the lines of, you know, it's, it's tough. It's part of the business. Uh, if, if, if they felt like this made the team better then I support the decision. Um, I think you would hear the players say that, but I really think that you'd hear them say that no matter who got cut? I, you, you know, if it's a good locker room, you're not going to say you're not going to outwardly disagree with the management. So anyway, there's some high level recaps or takeaways from the post game conference call. I know Monday they have a sort of a Monday conference call as well, I believe. So anyway, there's be some good stuff to get out of that. But but that's the recap from from the Dolphins. Um, yeah, five and four now going into some back to back to back divisional play. Um, we got we you know we got games to win. Hope we get some healthy here. We get Ty back. We get Funches back. We get uh, Jacoby Brissett back, and we'd be all right. How about that? Let's get healthy and let's win some games on the stretch. Finish this thing uh, with 10, 10, 11 wins and see if we can't do this upright. So um, it, it was a, it was a hurter. It hurt. It's in the past. It was an opportunity missed, but uh, it's also a game. It's football. Um, you got to put it behind you and, and move on. So I appreciate you again. This is Grant with the Colts with Grant podcast. Y'all have a great day, and I'll see you next time. Uh, go Colts.